Welcome to episode one of Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. I'm Robin Roundtree. I work for Senior Helpers, servicing Orange, Osceola, and Seminole counties in Central Florida. In addition to working in the senior care industry, I spend six years as a family caregiver. Now with me is my co-host, Edith Gendron. Check this out. She is the Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center and was named 2020's Citizen of the Year by the National Association of Social Workers, Florida Central Unit. She's also a Positive Approach to Care certified trainer and a former family caregiver. We decided to start this podcast because of all the things we've learned at our jobs and in our lives that most older adults don't know that they should know. So today we want to help you make informed decisions about your health. Now the media is constantly trying to get your attention with headlines that promote some wonderful or terrifying research or study. And just because a study found a result doesn't mean you should make any changes to your life because of it, okay? Here's a clarification for everyone. The thoughts and opinions of this podcast belong to the host and our guest and may not always coincide with our fabulous employers. So if you want to be mad, be mad at us and not at them. So we're going to dive into this with our guest, Jessica Branning, the CEO and founder of ClinCloud, right after this short message. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, the Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. And we're back. Jessica Branning, hello. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so impressed. CEO of your own company. What made you take that leap? Well, honestly, I I began looking at research when I was in in college and I really started to fall in love with it decided to take a gap year and got a job in clinical research at a wonderful organization Uh, and I was mentored all the way through and I was lucky enough to be able to open up ClinCloud about three years ago um, in dedication to my grandparents who uh, really uh, I wish had these opportunities when when they were alive so that they could uh, benefit from from clinical research. Okay, so tell us about ClinCloud, your company. Absolutely. So ClinCloud was developed uh, really as a collaborative space with research as its uh, foundation in the dementia world. So we wanted to be able to educate individuals within our community, along with their family members, on what exactly research is while we're carrying out the research studies themselves. So when you come to ClinCloud, first and foremost, everybody gets uh, free memory screenings conducted because we're a huge promoters of making sure you're getting a good baseline as to where your memory is at and then we discuss the resources and one of those resources might be a clinical research study it might be uh, joining a support group it might be talking to your doctor a little bit more about some of the memory concerns that you're experiencing uh, and and it might be getting you in touch with a community uh, outreach uh, individual such as ADRC I mean they're a fantastic organization that really helps a lot of caregivers 
course. Uh, and if you choose to participate in a research study with us, uh, we're with you throughout that entire journey. So we walk you through the memory testing, the imaging that might be conducted, all the way through the treatment phase of everything. And so if you just want the free memory testing, is it a hard sell to, to go, okay, well, you should be in this clinical trial? No. I mean, most of the time after an individual has a memory screening done and we find uh, that there might be some memory concerns or we might not even find that there's memory concerns, a lot of individuals, once they're educated on uh, the research opportunities, they want to pursue it. One, from an altruistic standpoint. Mm. Two, because they want to try and find a cure or find better treatments or find better diagnostics. But having that intimate one-on-one setting with an individual who is dedicated to research alone and has the ability to really educate the benefits of clinical research, um, most caregivers and patients would like to pursue this. Wonderful. But you can walk away. You can absolutely okay. walk away. This is not. This is something that you do not need to do uh, in order to um, get the, the free memory screenings with us. We do that regardless if you want to participate in a research study or not. Okay. And where can they find out more about your business? So you can always check out our website at www.clincloudresearch.com or you are more than welcome to give us a call at 407-636-4031. Now, Edith, I'm sure at the ADRC, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, people call up with questions about research they've heard about in the news. What are some of the questions you get? We get everything from, what is that new medicine? I can't say it, right? Mm -hmm. To, have you heard about this and fill in the blank, this obscure new finding? Um, I call it the coconut oil in the middle of the forehead by the light of the moon approach to understanding the dementias, which is useless. Um, I'm a little thorny about it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I see some of our caregivers almost in desperation, spending very good money on expensive things that have no clinical trial, that have no FDA approval, that have no really uh, good evidence or any evidence of clinical um, efficacy, if you will. So we do a lot of education as well. And we say gently, gee, you know, look at the ingredients on that bottle. And oh my goodness, gee, it's just vitamin C. So maybe you just want to buy some vitamin C instead of the $60 bottle of 90 tabs, right? Okay. You know, things like that. That's, That's what we do. And so Jessica, if we're hearing about turmeric or coconut oil, Is there any validity to any of these natural cures? So one of the key things to always remember whenever you're looking at new supplements or natural ingredients, for instance, they haven't gone through a clinical trial process, meaning that we haven't collected data, we haven't reviewed that data, and it hasn't been approved by the FDA that this could slow down progression or this could reverse what's currently going on. So keep that in mind when you are exploring those opportunities. Now, I say that all within the same breath that if you feel good taking it, then that's okay too. Um, But always make sure you're consulting with your doctor before starting anything. Okay, that's good advice. Yeah, some supplements can interfere in what you're already taking. Mm -hmm. So you want to be very careful with that. Always look at who paid for the study, right? Mm. That's a good indicator. And how many people were involved? If it was 10 people, then it's really not a valid study. It's not. 
And if it was the marketing division that paid for the study, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they may be playing with the numbers a little bit. (laughs) Right. I mean, recently, within the past year, we had um, that study come out that said, oh, guess what, folks? Eating red meat is really a good thing. Well, it was paid for by the beef industry. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So dig a little deeper into that article, and you'll probably find out who paid for that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. So let's talk about, uh, since we covered the natural things, the medications. Let's go through that process. Um, there's a scientist in a lab or somebody at the beach and all of a sudden gets this idea about, I think I can cure this disease. How does it go from the idea to the pharmacy? So the very first step in the process is what's called a research and development. So we're looking at a potential medication or a potential compound that may have uh, facilitated in uncovering uh, cognitive reversal or slowing down the progression of such diseases. Now we are in a lab and we do look at that and before we start introducing it to Uh, uh, humans or within human uh, clinical research, we have to collect a lot of that data and research the safety of it first. Then once we've started to look into that, uh, there's different phases of in-human clinical research, okay? There's a phase one study, which is the very first time a medication has gone in-human, for instance, to see if this medication is, one, safe and effective at treating said condition, Okay. Okay. And usually it's on a smaller number of individuals uh, and you're very closely monitored. So sometimes in a phase one study, you might stay overnight at a facility to be closely observed from that standpoint. Okay. Okay. Then you go to what's called phase two. During the phase two, we're starting to continue to look at the safety of said medication, continuing to make sure is it effective at treating this condition, but we might start to compare it to medications that are already on the market as well that are treating, say, Alzheimer's disease, for instance, and it's on a larger number of individuals. And then we go into phase three. Phase three is we know the, the that it's a safe product for us to continue moving forward with. However, we now need to replicate it across multiple individuals, across multiple diversities, um, and be able to find more information so that we can collect that data and then submit it to the FDA for, uh, for approval. That process alone generally takes 12 to 15 years. Oh of just collecting the information, verifying the information, looking at the safety of it as well before we even introduce it as uh, a medication that you can obtain from the pharmacy. All right, so let's say the scientist at the beach has this great idea and two years in, the side effects are, whoa. Mm -hmm. I mean, when do you just pull the plug and go, this is a bad idea? So first and foremost, with clinical trials in particular, safety is always the top priority. So if we start to see that there are side effects that are taking place, first and foremost, that individual will be removed from the study. And if we see that this is a consistent problem, the study will shut down. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's all over, and mm-hmm. that scientist is going back on vacation to get it's another going idea. Back, back on vacation, <laughs> or it ver- might very well be maybe the dose was too high, right? Or or maybe we need to modify it a little bit so that we're not having those side effects. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. I can see how that does take a long time. Yeah, Edith, when you're looking at a, a study that's come out, what are you looking for for quality? Um, first thing I look for is, and it's called in the abstract, um, you know, you have this whole paper written, but there's a, a 
paragraph or so that's called the abstract. So I look for the abstract. And where do you find that? Um, typically uh, on PubMed. I'll, I'll go to PubMed.com. But it's it's right there at the very beginning of any sort of paper. And it's okay. called published paper. And so I look immediately for how many people, right? What's the population? How many people? Um, and I look for who paid for it. That might not be in the abstract. And I look for whether or not they believe they have found significance. And significance in the scientific sense mean, means, did this happen at a frequency greater than chance? That's, that's the basic. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And then I'll quickly kind of, if I haven't already figured out who paid for it, I'm going to go looking for it. Um, often I'll look for who paid for it before I even get started because that to me is very, very significant. Um, And then I always, at the end of every paper, it always ends with concerns or thoughts to consider or, and that's part of the beauty of research is the researchers are responsible for saying, yes, this is all the good work we've done, but here are some issues that weren't addressed or that came up. And so I look at those two and try to weigh them with how significant are they to this overall finding. All right. And I've heard peer-reviewed. What does that mean? Like some a study will come out and they say it hasn't been peer reviewed. So essentially what that means is you have another um, colleague or specialist within said research entity that is also reviewing the work that's actually being conducted too. So it's getting almost like a second opinion. So you're going to see a specialist uh, cardiologist, for instance, right? They tell you what a finding might be, and then you go get a second opinion to another cardiologist. So that's kind of what peer-reviewed is in in the research sense. It's just second opinion. It's re-reviewing that information um, to say, yes, we do feel as though this is valid information, or we do not feel that this is valid information that's been obtained. So if it's just some researcher that's like doing the up-all-night study um, <laughs> just kind of faking it till he makes it, um, and they release it out. Mm-hmm. You want to wait until it's been peer reviewed, correct? Okay. Correct. Mm-hmm. How do you find all this stuff out? What was the website you mentioned, Edith? PubMed. P U B M E D. Is that free? Um, to an extent, it depends on how deeply you try to go into that website to get more information. There's another one, uh, too. It's called clinicaltrials.gov. So it's not going to have the abstract necessarily, but it's a really good basis to let you know, one, who who paid for the research, uh, like Edith was mentioning, uh, two, the number of individuals that are participating, uh, three, what were the objectives of the study. So it gives you that information. Uh, and four, where it was actually conducted. Uh, it has all the locations and everything right there. And sometimes they bring in different links to give you more information regarding the medication that's been looked at too, or device, for instance, that's been looked at. Okay. So that can be a lot of work for, for Joe Schmo, mm-hmm. who's working and raising kids and all of this stuff. So calling a ClinCloud or an Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, is that an option as well? Sure is. Yes, it is. And if we don't know, we're going to call Jessica for you. So. Oh, <laughs> yep. I would say the, the best thing to do whenever you are considering a clinical research study, uh, first and foremost, again, always consulting with your doctor to say, do we think that a clinical research opportunity is something that is of benefit? And then doing some due diligence and looking at what clinical research facilities are actually around, giving them a call, coming in to have a consultation with us. Because uh, the first step in this process is educating yourself and your family members 
on what are the possibilities for me and talking with individuals that this is their this is their day-to-day life this is what they're experts in so for instance at ClinCloud our medical staff our physicians they will come and they will talk to you and educate you on the risks versus the benefits of the study what is the medication that's actually being looked at what are the procedures that are going to take place in order to work you up to first and foremost determine if you're healthy enough and it's safe enough for you to participate and they're there with you all uh, through the entire um, process so it's it's really really important that you're you're going and you're speaking with uh, a key specialist in the area too okay yeah I think Jessica makes a very good point for me it really does come down to trust mm-hmm. right do do I know this clean cloud place right and do I trust them um, right from the time I called did they act like they cared about me and that's important mm-hmm. um, one of the things that is also important to make sure we understand is doing the study is obviously very important especially when it takes 15 years to get a result but then what has to happen is replication That means somebody else, another entity, has to do the same study and hopefully come up with the same findings, Ah. right? Um, Because otherwise, you know, a a group finding something um, is important, but it's also important to have non-associated others find the same thing or very close to the same thing. That's how we learn about misleading studies is Mm -hmm. when they can't be replicated. To that point as well is it's also replicating across multiple states, across multiple countries, because we want to make sure that there's not any environmental, social, educational barriers that might be put at play that might be affecting the the data that we're looking at too. And who is who's paying for all this research? So typically, I, I always present this as a fourfold type of scenario. So first and foremost usually it's pharmaceutical companies that are going to be paying for the research that's being conducted. There's also government institutions such as the NIH and the CDC that pay for research initiatives too. And that's National Institutes of Health? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's academic centers. So it might be the University of Florida or UCF um, that that is paying for said research to be conducted or it can be what's called investigator-initiated, meaning, for instance, uh, one of the physicians at, say, ClinCloud has come up with an idea, and we have written up a protocol, and we are now carrying out and testing. So we might be funding it ourselves to carry out the research. And then you can always have collaboration between those pots of money, I suppose. Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You've answered a lot of questions. And hopefully the next time someone hears on the news, the study says such and such, they're going to think of what uh, we've learned here today and not run off and and buy something or bother their doctor for it. They need to dive a little bit deeper and ask some questions Mm -hmm. first. Thank you so much. No problem. Well, we're going to speak to you again on our next episode as we delve into new research about specifically Alzheimer's disease. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging, and tell your family and friends about us. If you need to reach us, email informedagingpodcast at gmail.com. That's all for now. We're looking forward to our next visit.